You're listening to the Straight to Video Podcast with Rob Lane. What's up, everyone? Hope you're well and either getting into the festive spirit as we head towards Christmas or you're just managing to hang in there and bear the strain of all the chaos surrounding this time of year. But either way, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen to this show and it's great to have you here. Today's chat was a cool one and to be honest, I was all set to wrap up this year's podcast with a Christmas-themed show today, which I like to do each year and I've got it all done and in the bag, but you're going to have to wait till next week now as I got the opportunity to speak to the band Princess Goes. Going under a slightly shorter name to what was originally Princess Goes to the Butterfly Museum, this New York-based band boasts one heck of a stellar lineup of characters. The band who made their live debut back in 2018 features Peter Janowitz, previously of the Wallflowers on drums, keyboardist Matt Katz-Bowen, who currently tours with Blondie, and on lead vocals Michael C. Hall, who many of you will know from his acting roles in shows Six Feet Under, Safe, and his iconic portrayal of Dexter Morgan in the serial killer show Dexter. The band are a cool bunch of characters, and whilst I only had a short time to chat, we covered some fun stuff, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy learning about the band, whose sound lends itself to the darker edge of synth music, so make sure to check out their latest album, Come of Age, along with the video to the title track, which has just been released. This straight-to-video podcast, as always, is proudly presented to you in association with Affinity Photo, an incredible piece of photo editing software which I've been using for graphic design the past couple of years. I always use it to create the podcast episode artwork you see each week with the cool video cover, and it's an extremely affordable alternative to other programs on the market. So please, if you can, check them out at affinity.serif.com. Alright, let's dive into this week's show. If you want to learn more about Princess Goes, then you can find them at princessgoes.com. There's a lot of fun stuff to dive into. Their sound, artwork, videos are all pieces of art, and I look forward to where they take things next, with hopefully a return to the UK in 2024. But for now, please enjoy my straight-to-video chat with Peter, Matt, and Michael of Princess Goes. Hey, man. How's it going, Peter? Nice to see you. Good, my man. Where are you located? Nearest big city is Nottingham. Oh, beautiful. You're in the UK. Nice one, Rob. Right in the middle of the UK. How's it going, Matt? Good. How you doing, Rob? Yeah, pretty good. We have a very good mutual friend, Andy Blacksugar. Oh, cool. How do you know Andy? He used to come to the UK quite a bit in his old band, AC Slade and the Dark Party. Oh, I know AC Slade and the Dark Party. Yeah. Wow. I had a small record label for a while and uh, put out their debut album here in the really? UK. Yeah, so um, Andy's a good dude. Oh, cool. I'll tell him that I spoke with you on here. Does he live nearby to you? Are you in Brooklyn way or whereabouts is he? he? Yeah, he's pretty close by. He's a few subway stops away. But yeah, he's also been touring in Blondie with me. Yeah. So I saw you guys at the Nottingham Arena. When was that? Was that last year? The year before? No idea. <laughs> Could have been. But yeah, we're trying to get him on a princess song so he can do some of his um, guitar magic. The guy is a genius. Yeah, he kind of is. He really kind of is. He's a vampire, though. He never gets old. Yeah, you can't call him before 3 p.m. Don't bother trying to reach him before like 3. It's funny. How's it going, Michael? Good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Got everybody here. Nice to see you all. 
you're fresh off some US dates and not long before that, a bunch of shows in Europe. How are you seeing things building with the band's fan base? Does it feel like a step up each time you come back to a different country and city? Do you see things growing? That's a good question. Yeah. 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 Like Incrementally sometimes. Yeah. It's always a trip to go to a place you've never been before and have people show up and have a good number of them be familiar with your music. Yeah. It's always amazing when that happens. You're starting to see some familiar faces, like, oh, I recognize them from last time. Yeah, yeah, there are definitely some people who might qualify as hardcore fans. How are people reacting to the new songs at the recent live shows? So good. We just played in Atlanta on Sunday, and it was, I don't know, maybe one of the best princess shows ever, just good energy. And people know the new songs now. When we were in the UK in October, a record hadn't come out yet, and in Europe, so we were playing a few of the new ones, but now we're kind of not hesitant to just throw in some of the new record. You know, it's nice. My favorites, I like go the title track's great and shimmer as well which seems to be channeling a bit of david bowie and u2 in there i don't know if that's a, a good comparison for you guys we'll take that i can hear that i mentioned earlier i'm coming to you from near nottingham here in the uk i think you did a show at the rescue rooms here back in 2021 that was our first actual tour outside new york city was in the uk and yeah yeah that's a good time is europe on the cards for next year perhaps Oh, Perhaps get over and play some festivals and because Matt, you played at Glastonbury earlier this year. How was that? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was pretty cool. You know, I told them to book us next year, and they said they're on same slot. <laughs> same slot, definitely, definitely same slot. Yeah, that was a fun, fun little adventure. Got to see Cat Stevens play. He sounded incredible. Elton John, Queens of the Stone Age. We know Josh and some of the in Troy. Some of those people. And we actually want to go out and record with Dave Catching one of these days out there at his Rancho de la Luna. I always want to say Rancho Relaxo from The Simpsons, but it's Rancho de la Luna. Excellent. How is your relationship with the UK? Do you have any favorite places over here? We were just in Norwich and uh, I hadn't been there. And it's such a cool little town. I mean, it was just a little place that we played and it was just like the sun was out. I don't know. Norwich was really special, but there's so many places. Manchester, the Midlands are really beautiful. London's always fun. Liverpool's really broad. Yeah, we love it. I don't know. We feel like Outside of maybe New York and the U.S., it's so nice to be able to go play there. And we feel like the fans there have a, a certain special appreciation for music. And it's deeper there, maybe somehow. I don't know. Because, Michael, your Netflix series, Safe, that was filmed in and around Manchester, I believe. And I think, did I see that you even used the legendary Night and Day Cafe as a location for Heaven Nightclub? Yeah, the Night and Day Cafe, which was the first of the two places in Manchester where we played, is a place we shot for I don't know, two or three days, I think. And uh, yeah, it was very surreal to return to that place after having shot there when the band was something that I didn't know was going to happen. You know? I was wondering that. Did you know in advance or did you just like rock up and like, shit, this place looks very familiar? I think I had a suspicion, but I wasn't sure until I got there. Did they have to change it around much for the filming or was it pretty much as you remembered it? Not really. It was, it was like daytime scenes. So we were visiting a nightclub, but during the day, I don't think we really did much to gussy up the place. It had all the character it needed. You knew of it and you were showing Peter and Matt around. You knew the layout of the club. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to show. It's kind of like long and there's the stage at the end. But it was really cool to perform there, regardless of whether or not I'd shot anything there. It's just a really kind of legendary little spot. It was a great gig. It is a cool place. It's almost like a little cafe bar yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah. The outside and you walk in and... Yeah, it's a great little place. The dressing room that we had didn't have a bathroom, so we had to use the bathroom for the club, which was really fun. 
I'm just kidding. It wasn't that fun, but it was very intimate. It's quite a high stage in there as well, from what I remember. It is, especially for a place that small. Yeah. And you also, I think you recently performed in Charlotte, North Carolina. Is that pretty much a hometown show for you, Michael, being from Raleigh? Well, not quite. That show got canceled because the roof of the venue like caved in or something, and they had to cancel all their upcoming gigs. The only place we've played in North Carolina is Raleigh, my hometown. But yeah, anything in this part of the world feels like a sort of homecoming. Because like the band is very much New York-based, a place where you all met through the Broadway production of Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I love the film from 2001. How familiar was you all with it prior to working on the Broadway show? Had you seen the film or was you totally new to it? I'd seen the film and I'd seen the original production downtown at the Jane Street Theater back in, I don't know if it was 98, 99. Yeah, I was very familiar with it myself and familiar with that original recording. And uh, it's amazing music. It's really great songs. Yeah, big fan of the film. Wasn't lucky enough to see the original. Mike, I didn't know you got to see the original one. That's awesome. Yeah, I met Stephen Trask, the guy who wrote the music at a writing, one of those nerdy writing retreats that songwriters go on sometimes. And and so I got to meet him. And then my appreciation for the show just grew exponentially from there. I already loved it. But then I met the songwriter and I was like, Jesus, this guy's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was nice. New York and particularly Times Square, a feature of the new video and the title track of the latest album. For this video, you wait, I'm probably pronounced this wrong. Is it Marcus Sager? Um, Marcos Siega. I was in the ballpark. Yeah, yeah. He directed several episodes of Dexter, but his resume, it's like a, it's a real encyclopedia of like 90s and 2000s pop rock and punk, like Blink-182, Collective Soul, Weezer, All American Rejects, all of my favorite bands from back then. The guy pretty much created the look of that era through those videos. What was it like shooting in Times Square with him? Was it fun? Yeah, it was awesome. It was totally guerrilla style, no permit, one camera man and a director and somebody feeding us some sound because we did a sped up version so that we could be moving in slow motion. And yeah, we just showed up and did it. Um, We weren't really bothered. (laughs) You know, it's such a sort of chaotic world that time of night. We were just one of the many moving sideshows. So we weren't bothered. We just kind of rolled through and, and did it. It was fun. All of you have like been in and around Manhattan and New York for a long, long time. How much has it changed for you over the years? Peter, I think you said before that when you arrived there, it was one of the first times you felt you were at home. How do you look at it now? Yeah, I hear so much about how New York's changed and New York's dead and it's over. You know, I don't know. I just got back from walking around in Soho and Lower East Side. And I mean, I don't know. There's something here that always, I guess, is going to feel like home and a place where magic happens. I mean, hell, I got to meet Mike and Matt here. And it's just been the catalyst for so many creative leaps, you know. And yeah, it's like there's too many Chase Banks and CVS pharmacies. And, you know, I mean, it's corporatized a little bit, but I don't know. I've never felt New York is it's more crowded than ever. Everybody's fucking weed on the street. I mean, it's like crazy. After the pandemic, which was kind of amazing also to be in New York when it was just like ghost town. I'll never forget that. That was kind of incredible. But it came back like twofold where it's just more crowded than ever. And it feels more vibrant than ever. And I don't know, it's still I still believe in it. You know, I know a lot of people have given up on it, but I still believe in it here. It's pretty awesome. Where was everybody's favorite record store there? I always liked other music. It's a famous store in, in the city. It was right across from Tower Records, which was like the big behemoth sort of record store. And then there was other music, which had more indie. And there was Bleaker Bob's. That was a great store, too, on Bleaker Street. Bob was a character. He once showed me the baseball bat that he had, which he uh, you know, threatened to use on me or anyone else who would shoplift from his store. Matt, Pat's bone is the true New Yorker in the band. He was born and raised in the village Union Square area. It's true. It's true. 
should actually answer the New York question, Matt. Yeah, no, you know, I agree with Peter. The city's changed a lot, but it still has an energy that's very difficult to find anywhere else in the world, I think. London, maybe, but it's, you know, it's different. It's very different. The band did their first show out there at a venue. Was it called Berlin? Berlin, yeah. What do you remember about that night? Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> what don't we remember about that night? That's the question. Didn't Debbie come, Debbie Harry? Yeah, Debbie started her, you know, love of the band, I think, there at that show. Do you remember to put her on the guest list? No, no, we, we made her pay double. I don't know. She was pretty pissed at me about that for a while, actually. But she did help us carry gear in and out. You know, she carries drums upstairs. I think it reminds her of the good old or the bad old days, you know, at CBGB and sort of lugging gear around. So Clem lets Debbie Harry carry her drums. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if I would say that. I don't think she'd carry Clem's drums, just ours. Yeah, yeah. I think just Peter's drums. Yeah, it's not not really a Clem thing. It's a Peter thing. It's a princess thing. <laughs> The band has this like great pedigree of talent in it. People all know Michael from his acting. Peter, you was part of the Wallflowers and Matt, you worked with Blondie. Did you advertise that or did you just want a slot on the bill to test the water and get on stage in front of an audience? I think it did say featuring Peter from the Wallflowers in a big sign outside. It didn't. You know, we and Rob, we've always wanted to lead with the music and just have people find us through our songs. I don't know. I think in press and stuff, some of our backgrounds come out. But yeah, we've always wanted to try to just trick people into falling in love with us without even really knowing who we are, what where we are, or what the fuck's going on. Michael, what do you plan for next year now? Like the writer's strikes finished? Are you going to be juggling acting and music with the new album and things getting back together again in the acting world? I hope so, you know. I hope I'm able to swing some acting gigs in the coming year. It's You know, I'm always singing for my supper one way or another, but there's some irons in the fire we'll see. That's uh, my little one here. Oh, there you go. I'm doing this a lot too. And um, oh, here you are. Oh, um, sorry, I just confirmed with uh, my wife that she food. Oh. Um, anyway, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I hope to do some acting. I hope to do some gigs. I hope to do some of everything. And you've got some shows coming up on the West Coast in the new year. Yeah, we're playing like San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco. Yeah, and then we're later in January, we're playing uh, Nashville, Asheville, and Louisville. All the Ville. It has to have a Ville of it. Where else could we play that has a Ville? Greenville, is that one? There are a lot of Vills. Greenville, right. Greenville, Greenville that's right. There's a Greenville, North Carolina too, right? There's a Greenville, North Carolina, that's right. There's some Vills in the UK, right? Like, um, what is it? The Derby Vills? Shires. Yeah, we have Shires, yeah. So I'm in Derbyshire at the moment. You support the Nottingham football? I used to be big into football prior to music coming along. So up until I was like 15, 16, I used to support Nottingham Forest. They were my team. And they used to be pretty decent back then. I don't know how they do these days. Sport and football or soccer went right out the window once music came along in like the late 80s. So yeah, it was gone. It was out of there. So I always end with a similar question. I'll pose it to all three of you. Just kind of to wrap things up. So if you can, I want you to time travel a little to a Friday night in the late 80s or early 90s and you head into the video store. What movie soundtrack do you have on the Walkman and which three tapes are you going to rent for the weekend? If you like, you can just pick one tape each to save confusion. Love it. So there's a movie soundtrack that we're listening to? Yeah. Is the tape a video? Yeah. Like a movie? Mm-hmm. All right. What year? Late 80s, early 90s. Something like that. I'd go with The Mission, Ennio Morricone, instrumental, but a phenomenal composer for screen. And I'm going to rent 
Raising Arizona. Ah. Cohen Brothers movie. Appropriate for what's happening at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I'll do. I would probably have the Scorsese documentary, The Last Waltz, because I was in the Wallflowers early 90s out in Los Angeles. And I was kind of force fed a lot of that stuff from The Last Waltz and sort of instructed to learn how to play the drums like Levon Helm by Jacob Dylan wanted me to learn how to play like Levon for some weird reason, which was cool because I love Levon. And then movie that I would rent. Jesus, I would probably do Harold and Maude, one of the greatest movies. Another great soundtrack as well. Probably rent that. That's a friend of mine's favorite film, Harold and Maude. Like I had it on VHS and like bring friends home and I'd play it for them. And if they didn't like the movie, then I figured we probably wouldn't be good friends. It's like whether your dog likes somebody or not like that. You can judge a person. So whether they like Harold and Maude. My dog's a shithead. He doesn't like anybody. How about you, Matt? Last up. Let's see. Um, well, I was barely obsessed with the Lost Boys soundtrack. 1987. One of the greatest. That's a good one. Uh, one of the best soundtracks still holds up to this day. And then as far as movies, I'd be renting. The first thing that popped into my head is The Naked Gun, one, two and a half, and 33 and a third. I don't know. Shout out to Leslie Nielsen. You know, we need more of him. <laughs> Did you guys have a local video store in Manhattan? Oh, yeah. Kim's. Yeah, Kim's. Have you seen the documentary about Kim's video? No. That is insane. I just saw it earlier this year because apparently when it closed, he donated all the videos to like some foreign country, some European country. And they said like they'd be put in storage and anyone who had a Kim's rental card could go to that place where they stored all these tapes and like check out the library. So some American guy went to this foreign country looking for Kim's video and found it all in this, just this warehouse where the roof had come in, it all leaking and stuff like that. So they'd done nothing with it. So he goes on this mission to get all the tapes back to the USA. And he basically has to steal them back undercover. And this documentary films this whole process. It's unreal. Brilliant. What's it called? I think it's just called Kim's Video. All right, we'll check it out. That's nice, man. I saw it at like a film festival here in, town not long ago and i'd never heard anything about it so that's crazy that you guys used to go to kim's video oh yeah it's an amazing place i think it's supposed to be like one of the largest collections of videotapes anywhere it had books it had yeah. albums and, you know all kinds of cool you could just go and hang out there it's pretty rad place how long ago was that it was like maybe open maybe less than 10 years ago probably for me, I frequented it most like in the 90s, from like 93 to 2000, back when I lived down in that part of the world. Add that one to the list, Kim's video, the documentary. You'll love it. Sweet. Guys, well, I'll let you go. Thank you ever so much for chatting with me. It's been very cool to hook up. Thanks, Rob. Andy just texted me. He says, say hi to my man. He's a good dude. <laughs> He's awesome. Oh, Rob, so nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for spreading the word, man. Yeah, we appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, good luck with the new album. I look forward to hopefully seeing you when you come back to the UK next year. But I want to wish you all a, a very Merry Christmas. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. To you as well. Big thank you to Michael C. Hall, Matt Katzbone and Peter Janowitz for taking some time to chat all things Princess Goes and New York here on the Straight to Video podcast. The latest album, Come of Age, and its accompanying title track video are all out now. And all info about upcoming tour dates can be found at princessgoes.com. 
I hope you've been enjoying the chats this year and all things straight to video. Next week's episode is my final show of 2023 and then I'll be taking a break for a couple of weeks but I'm already compiling my list of guests I want to get on the show for January onwards. But if there's anyone you'd be interested in hearing me chat to, please reach out and let me know. If you're listening to this episode when it first goes out, then over at our 80s video shop in Offton, Derbyshire, which is just 10 minutes from Junction 28 of the M1, then Chris and I are holding a toy sale this coming Sunday, the 17th of December from 11 till 3pm. So if you want to get your hands on some pre-loved vintage toys from the likes of Star Wars and Jurassic Park, then please pop on by. We also have a special Christmas box available. There's a few left which you can order from www.80svideoshop.co.uk or if we have any left over at the weekend, you can pick one up from the shop itself. So I hope to see some of you there. So that's all for this episode, but I'll be back next Friday for one last show of 2023. So until then, always be kind, please rewind and unwind, and I'll speak to you all real soon. Soon.